0: Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. Our current sermon series is Jesus' parables and the mystery of the kingdom. Dr. Dorch's sermon today is The Prodigals Among Us. The big idea is God's lavish love is what every soul needs most. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 15th chapter. Over the course of... summer we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus and how these parables reveal to us mysteries of the kingdom of God. And this morning's parable will remind us of how God's love and God's desire to embrace all is much greater than any of us might ever imagine. Significant and sufficient enough to include all prodigals, God wills that none perish but all come to repentance and faith in him. So as you have your Bibles here now, this story that Jesus told from the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel beginning with the 11th verse, where the text tells us that Jesus continued. He's been telling a series of parables, all of which have to do with the recovery of of something that has been lost. Now we hear of a son who was lost and now found, and what we will see is actually there are two sons whom the father will find. There was a man, Jesus said, who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the young man got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and now is found so they began to celebrate meanwhile meanwhile the older son was in the field When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked the servant what was going on. And the servant answered, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back. He has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never, never disobeyed your orders yet. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours, he was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and now is found. May God add his blessings to this, the reading of his word. As much as I hate to admit it, I am the most provincial person you will ever meet. Now, I'm not a homebody to the point that I'm not willing to venture out. As I said last Sunday, I'm looking forward to being able to get away and spend some time with family and to relax, be renewed, just as many of you will. But I'll be looking forward to coming home because I just, I just feel more comfortable with familiar faces and, and, and familiar places as much as I enjoy getting away at the end of the day or the week or however long I am away. I kind of feel like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. You remember? There's no place like home, and it is for that reason that I struggle to identify with this character that is before us this morning in the story that Jesus told, the story of the prodigal son. Many of you probably feel the same way because clearly, clearly this son is everything that we are not. He has wonder lust. He can't wait to get away from the farm. Many of us, we're sort of content to stay where we are. We are happy with the status quo. This younger son, he, he makes demands on his father. You and I, we... We tend to be more compliant in our dealings with others. He pushes the envelope. Most of us like to play things close to the vest. And so it boggles our minds when we hear Jesus tell this story of how this ...younger of two sons approaches his father one day... ...and demands his share of the inheritance... ...which according to the Old Testament... ...only amounts to one-third of the estate. His older brother is entitled to two-thirds of the estate... ...but he demands what is rightfully his... ...and when he receives it, he liquidates it... ...sells everything that he has... And he gets away as far from Dodge as possible. He goes into that distant country where he squanders his inheritance in wild living. A severe famine, Jesus tells us, comes upon the land, and suddenly all of the friends that this younger Son, this prodigal probably had managed to draw into himself while squandering his inheritance. They've all disappeared. They're gone. And he has no one to fend for him. He hires himself out to a local farmer who sends him to work with the pigs, which is a terrible place for a Jewish boy to land with the pigs. Unclean animals and he becomes so hungry that he would even eat the pods that the pigs around him are eating. Clearly this younger son boggles our minds not Only is he a prodigal, he is also a profligate. He is the most immoral of souls. And as we hear Jesus describe this character, our stomachs turn until Jesus continues the story and something truly remarkable happens. Jesus tells us that while he is there with the pigs, he comes to his senses. That's how our English translations render it. But in the literal Greek, it it really suggests that he he comes to himself. He comes to himself. He, He realizes who he really is and where he is supposed to be. And in the pig pen, he concocts this scheme to be able to get back into his father's good graces. He's got the lines down. He's got his story straight. He'll go back to his father and see if his father will just receive him as a as one of the hired servants, even though even though he knows and hopes in his heart of hearts that his father will receive him as more, but he's not counting on it. I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he sets off for home because there's no place Like home. And this is where the story gets interesting, does it not? Jesus tells us that he's making his way home while he's still far, far away. His father sees him returning home, he sees him in the distance, and Jesus says his father runs out to meet him. He's filled with compassion for him. He begins hugging him and and kissing him and lavishing him with the love that this younger son did not deserve but had been missing so very much. The younger son begins reciting those lines he's been rehearsing all the way from the far country, and his father cuts him off in mid-sentence. He doesn't let the son finish his story. Quick, he says to one of his servants, bring a robe, the best robe, and a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. That's straight out of Genesis. And the story of Joseph and how when Pharaoh elevated Joseph to a position of authority, the robe, an article of clothing that represents distinction, the ring, something that symbolizes authority. The sandals on the feet, only slaves. And young boys in Alabama, only slaves go barefoot. Shoes are the attire of a free person. Kills the fatted calf and says, let's celebrate because this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's been found. And you know, if I were Jesus, I would have cut the story off right there. What a great place to end a story. You're always thinking, I know you are, you know, you should have cut that sermon off right there. Jesus, you should have cut the story off right there. I would have ended it right there. What a glorious conclusion this wayward son has now returned. He's been received by his father. Surely the love that the father has shown to his son such an undeserving love represents God's love for all sinners who come to their senses, who come to themselves, who turn, who repent from their sins, who are ready to confess and to return home. And and that wouldn't have been a bad place to end the story. But Jesus doesn't end the story there. there. There's another son. Remember the father has two boys. The younger one demands his share of the inheritance, rushes off to the far country, squanders his inheritance on wild living and Then decides to return home. But there's another son. He's an older son. And he too is everything that the younger son is not. He's obedient. He's duty bound. He's task oriented. He colors between the lines. He does as he is told. He keeps his head down and his mouth shut, and he has been keeping the home fires burning. But when he learns that his younger brother has returned home, as Jesus tells us, that's not the only thing he has burning. (laughs) Within him is this horrific rage over the injustice that's been done to him. Jesus says as he's coming home from the field, he hears music and there is dancing. And this is, this is so out of character for life. On the farm, he calls one of the servants, what's going on? And the servant tells him, your brother has returned and your dad is beside himself. He's killed the fatted calf. And the elder brother loses it. He won't even go in the house. His father comes out to plead with him, to plead with him. And the elder son will have none of it. This is not fair. You haven't treated me right. I've been here the whole time working on your behalf and you never have even done as much as to give me a goat, not a fatted calf, just just a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But now, now, this son of yours, he can't even call him his brother. This son of yours returns home after he has squandered squandered his fortune with prostitutes. How does he know what the younger brother has done? Can we say projection here? He has no idea how his younger brother spent the money but clearly he's got a story in his mind and he's sticking to it. Your son has squandered the money with prostitutes and you kill for him the fatted calf. It's not fair. And there's part of us that has to acknowledge, no, that that just doesn't seem fair. But this story is really not about fairness, is it? And the kingdom of heaven is not about fairness, is it? It's about grace. It's about generosity. It's about a lavish love that is willing to include everyone, all prodigals, all prodigals, both those who stray. And those who stay. For don't you see? Don't you see? Jesus is telling us a story that involves two prodigals. We we don't have any problem turning our noses up at this younger son who makes demands and squanders his inheritance and finally comes to his senses when he has no place else to turn the options all options are off the table except returning to his dad. No, we, we see all of that as the sin that it is. I'm not dismissing the younger son's actions. Neither is Jesus dismissing the younger son's actions. But isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how while we have no problem recognizing the younger prodigal as a sinner the older one just has some things he needs to be working on he's got some anger management problems he's got some character flaws no he doesn't he has just as much sin in his life as his younger brother he's self-righteous He's self-righteous. He's kept his nose clean and he thinks he's been treated unfairly by the father. He's loveless. He can't even call his younger brother what he is, his younger brother. He is ungrateful. Because even though he's been working at the farm... he still has his father to thank for that opportunity. And in fact, when his father was forced upon the demands of the younger son to divide the inheritance, the older brother got the two-thirds. He got more than his younger brother. We don't see his sin. Because it looks too much like ours. Self-righteous and ungrateful and loveless. But the Father sees it. Sees it just as much as what he saw in his younger son. And he loves both the boys. He loves his older son just as much as he does the younger one. He didn't hammer the younger son when he returned. Said to him, you know, it's just... It's just been so shameful what you've done to me. And trust me, shame was a big deal in the first century world. And this dad, no doubt, had lost reputation in the eyes of his friends and his neighbors. But he he didn't upbraid his younger son. Neither does he criticize the older one. He pleads with him. What an expression of love. Indeed, it may be the case that what we have here is not so much the parable of the prodigal son as the parable, the story of a loving father who in his own way is something of a prodigal. You Latin scholars, the word prodigal, oh, we see it as spendthrift and wasteful. But look at the word. It means lavish. It means Extravagant. It means a willingness to go beyond the boundaries of reasonability. This father, in his love, is a prodigal because of how he is willing to embrace both of his prodigal boys. Did they return the love? You know, I mentioned earlier, if I'd been telling the story, I, I would have ended it. I would have ended it after the younger son returned home. It seems to me as a preacher, that's a good place to end the story, extend the invitation, and invite sinners to come home. And that's not a bad thing. I would have put a better ending where Jesus actually ends the story because it's not an ending. I mean, how many times have I told a story and people have said, well, how did that story end? What happened to that person? And I get that. I feel that same way as I hear this story. Well, did the elder brother actually decide to embrace his younger brother? We don't know. We don't know. Was the father and this lavish love that the father showed both of his boys? Did it did it provide some measure of function to what clearly is a dysfunctional family? We don't know. We don't know. Jesus does not end the story. And I think you can understand why. Because it's his invitation. To us, to end the story as it seems right to us. If you're a prodigal that has strayed, there is grace greater than all your sins. Embrace it, come to yourself. There's no place like home. And if you're a prodigal that has stayed, struggles with smugness and self-righteousness. The kingdom is about leaving nobody out. And the way to extend an invitation is through that same grace that meets us where we are, even if we're close to home. Changes our lives, our hearts, to the point that we are then willing to extend grace to others. Prodigals, they come in all shapes and sizes. And the good news of the gospel is that our Father is planning a big celebration intended to include all of them. Intended to include all of us. And whether you are one who has strayed or one who has stayed. the Celebration that our Father is planning is a celebration and for the life of you, you will not want to miss. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your love expressed to us in Christ Jesus that accepts us as we are and makes us day by day as we Lean into it more of the people that you have called us to be. Receive us, O God, as we confess our sins and turn to you, that we may learn the joy and the peace and the assurance, the blessed assurance of how there is no place like home. This we pray in Jesus' name and for our sakes. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work.